1: on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum, and kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum, beat me that rhythm on the drum, beat me that rhythm on the drum, and kick all trouble out the door, kick him out the door. Kick
2: Welcome to Radical Australia Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If nature calls, if the bikey next door needs a cup of sugar for his meth lab during the interview or the chat with our guest, don't despair. The program is podcast, it's there forever and ever, and you can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash Radical Australia. Now Kelly Whitworth, the world's greatest producer, was that good enough for you?
0: What's that, Joe?
2: Actually promoting the program. You tell me I never promote it.
0: Oh, that's good. And halfway through, I'd like you to also remind, let folks know what we're listening to. That would be great.
2: What do you mean, what? We've got a human being. We haven't got a robot here. We've got
0: a beautiful human being in the studio. Yeah, one of of
2: your friends, is it?
0: One of my friends, acquaintances, yes.
2: (laughs) We have, we have Lisa, a surname is fully That's right. We don't want to...
0: Yay! <laughs> we're see, happy you're here.
2: We're happy. Now, 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 Lisa, before we start off, now you know that singer, don't you?
0: That was Moria, wasn't it? No. 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 It was. I thought it was Moria doing a song from uh, the show that she's about to do or some of her cabaret experiences. Well, no,
2: it's Margaret Roadnight.
0: Ah, Who's an Australian performer.
2: Exactly. And
0: might have been famous when I wasn't living here. It might have
2: been before my time. Before your time. So what year were you born?
0: I was born in 1960, and I've lived permanently in Australia since 1990. But prior to that, I spent 18 months in Sydney. So I've got a big gap in Australian culture. People who were famous... Pretty much well, before then.
2: Well, I don't, wouldn't say she was famous. She was well known. We don't have famous people on this program. We just have well known. You still know from us. You, you
0: claim all our, the, best of, the best of ours. <laughs>
2: 1960. Well, no, you couldn't be my daughter. No. All right, 1960. So where were you born? I was born in Wellington, New Zealand, raised in Auckland. I couldn't pick the accent.
0: Look, people always say that. It's a funny hybrid of an educated New Zealand accent and there's a story about that. Yes. Having been here a long time, having spent a little bit of time in England, mm. it's kind of very much my own. But yeah, no, there's a New Zealand ac- there's a New Zealand accent there for sure. Yeah,
2: I want to ask you to say fish and chips, that's too vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nineteen sixty, born in Wellington. So did you, what was like life as a little person in Wellington?
0: Well, I didn't live in Wellington. I was born in Wellington and then as a, a little infant of about three or four days old, my mother and her father took me to Auckland.
2: Hang on, hang on. Your yeah. mother and her father. And her father. That's so. interesting. Tell us about that.
0: Well, that's right from the very beginning. My parents weren't married to each other, mm-hmm. and my mum bucked the trend. In those days, if you had a daughter or child outside wedlock, you were under intense pressure to have them adopted out. My mum didn't. She chose to keep me, and her parents supported her in that. Mm-hmm. So that was a immensely traumatic thing for her to go through. She had a lot of pressure to to have me adopted out So my first four years were spent with my grandparents And then my mother married someone And that someone adopted me So
2: Right, let's go back to your grandparents um, I assume they're not a lot, they died some time ago. They did, yeah. yeah Do you have any memories about them you'd like to share?
0: Well I do I think a lot about my grandmother in particular She was a very intelligent woman But she was the oldest of five. She had three brothers and a sister – does that make five? Uh, she, she was a very smart woman but forced to leave school very early. Her family very poor. So she was forced to leave school at 12. She didn't get a secondary education. And really she would have been university potential. You know, she mm-hmm. was intelligent and she was creative. But circumstances and, you know, the way things were then, she was forced to go out and do domestic service and sew, and really was a wasted intellect.
2: Right, so you were with them for the first four years. That's right. Yes, right. she did practically you have, raised me. Right, did you have contact with her, with them, your grandparents after your mother oh, yes. married? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Yeah,
0: um, a lot. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents.
2: And do you think what impact do you think they have? What parts of your personality today do you think you can owe to them?
0: Oh, okay. there's, there's a lot. I mean, I do remember my grandmother being proud of being a New Zealand woman. She was the one who first informed me that New Zealand was the first country in the world to give women the vote, mm. universal franchise.
2: You, you realise, you realise that the women of Adelaide would disagree with that.
0: Well, that was <laughs> New Zealand was the first uh, self-governing. Yes.
2: yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's
2: all right. It's all right. First That's a country, joke. That's not a the joke. first state. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're
0: right. Adelaide, yeah. South Australia, came the year before. Yes. Yes. a few months before. So she was proud of that. She was proud of being a New Zealand woman. Mm -hmm. And she was proud of her resourcefulness. You know, they'd lived through the Depression. And so she had to make do. And she was very good at making do. And she was very good at stretching things. She sewed. She... She was just incredibly resourceful and living on a very small income. Mm.
2: You didn't have the uh, ubiquitous ball of string in the house?
0: Probably. Several balls of string. (laughs) In fact, her own father, her own father, my great grandfather, was famous for always saying you should have a little ball of string in your pocket that you never never knew when a ball of string would come in handy. What's the uh, reference there?
2: Uh, Well, you youngsters know nothing. I don't know
0: about this one. When things needed tying up, whether it would be a shoelace or a piece of machinery or something that had come undone, if you had a piece of string... Uh, How long was a piece of string? You nice. were equipped to fix something.
1: Uh,
2: and not only that, you didn't buy the the ball of string. You actually made it up with other pieces of string. You did. And that's, that's – that, it's a reference to the Depression era. Absolutely. A- and it's a way of life. You know, you had mm. the ball of string you made do with what you had. and uh, You did,
0: yeah. My uh, grandparents were originally from the Waiwapa. They were from a farming community. Mm-hmm. And I believe they moved to Auckland around the 1950s. Around around
2: 1950, mm. yeah. Is your mum still alive?
0: She is. She lives in Auckland and mm. West Auckland.
2: So obviously she won't be listening to this. So you can tell us the truth. Well, although <laughs> it <right. laughs> well, is podcast. A lot
0: of oh no, yeah. Well,
2: what's your mum's name? First name?
0: uh her name's Nanette. Nanette. She was named by my grandmother after Nanette de Valois, who was a Ooh, famous ballerina of yes, the time. Yes. Mm. My grandmother, I think, had an alternative life, really, in her imagination. She was the one who taught me to speak. Now, she was the one who taught me to round my vowels and say, right. my father's car is a Jaguar and he drives it rather fast. <laughs> uh, it rains on the plains of Spain. So although I come from a very working-class background, I know I don't sound like I do, and that is my grandmother. I think she really believed that being well-spoken was a key to getting ahead in life. Well, I think she and was And right. she made sure that I was, so... Well. There is this anomaly in my life where I sound like someone who comes from immense privilege and that's
2: right. I is. do not. Well, obviously you do. The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plains.
0: Well, I do because I got an education for free. In those days in New Zealand, you could go to New Zealand, you got yourself a bursary. So in a sense, I'm privileged in... The way that New Zealand was a strong social welfare state in those days mm. and you could get a tertiary education for free. So the privileges mm. of that boom time in the 70s mm. when there was hope for let's go back. an equitable future.
2: Let's yeah. go back a little while. We've, Going got, back. we've got a few minutes. So where did you attend primary school? I went to
0: Titirangi Primary School, Titarangi. which is out in West Auckland.
2: Mm-hmm. And as a little person in primary school, did you note that you had any particular... Interest or skills different to the other kids?
0: Definitely, I was a drawer. I used to love drawing pictures mm. and writing. I, I've been a writer for most of my life from then, and a great reader. So I was always a creative kid. Definitely.
2: Do you th- think there's any particular teachers or group of teachers that uh, steered you in that direction, or was it just a natural ability?
0: Natural ability for sure. A lot of encouragement for my grandmother when it came to reading and writing. Mm. I think I can remember making up plays at primary school. Mm. And I can remember my best friend and I being told off by one of the male teachers because we had our dress-ups and we wanted to wear our dress-ups into the classroom. And I remember him saying, I'll just get those silly clothes off you. And I look back on that and I think, well, how how miserable that was you know (laughs) that we couldn't wear our our gypsy skirts we had gypsy skirts and we had scarves and we were very colorful and look they were just clothes but Uh, we were told off uh, wearing uh, wearing our colorful clothes that we'd been playing dress ups and so I think children are just naturally creative they really are and
2: but but you answered that question pretty quickly you felt you were different oh yes how apart from being creative
0: I'll be honest, I was smarter than a lot of the kids. Mm. I always felt I was different. There was always something. Now, make of it what you will, I didn't know that my adoptive father wasn't my natural father. I was told that he was daddy. Right. But I always felt always felt different. Mm. But again, I think creative children often do. Imaginative, mm. sensitive children, right. especially really imaginative children, often do feel that they're different.
2: And did you have any siblings?
0: I've got a younger brother and sister, sister technically right. a half-brother and well,
2: sister. Sister, right. right. And what was your interaction with them like?
0: They're quite a bit younger than me, and they're quite different. My sister's eight years younger than me, and my brother was born when I was five.
2: Right. So what, minimal interaction? You didn't have to share rooms or...
0: No, no, we didn't actually. I don't think we did have to share rooms.
2: So so your mum and, and uh, your stepdad were reasonably well off? No. No? But you each, each had your own bedroom?
0: Yes. Oh, so there you go. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to remember actually yeah. whether – possibly not. No, we must have I – mean, I did share with my little brother at one stage. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. And so here you are, you go to high school. They call it high school in New Zealand? What do they call it? Ah, uh, they Secondary do, college? they call
0: it high school. What, oh. In New Zealand, they, you have those two years, what we call intermediate school, mm. when you're 12 and 13. So you finish primary school and what we used to be standard four, and then you have two years of intermediate school, and then you go to high school, mm. where you do form three, four, and five, and six, and seven, and oh, then you go to
2: university. And seven. Oh, and how did you go at high school? Not academically. I mean, how did you fit in and... Did you know, develop in different ways?
0: I think I was always able to be funny, so I was able to make friends. I had good relationships with other kids. And teachers liked me. I was I was a little bit sucky, let's be uh, honest. I was a bit of a sucky kid when it came to school and uh, adults. And
2: You were a TP, were you?
0: I think I might have been, yeah. yeah. teacher's pet, just I for people I like a, Kelly. A te- I, wouldn't I think I was. Yeah,
2: a teacher's pet.
0: I, I did well at school. Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah,
2: you'd had those long, Fond eyes on the teacher and you'd put your hand I up. did. I was attentive. I yes. was very
0: attentive because yeah. I was quite deaf at the time. I had undiagnosed right. hearing loss. Ah. So I used to sit up the front of the classroom right. very eagerly, lip reading a lot of it. Right. Tell us about, so Tell us about this
2: undiagnosed hearing loss because obviously that should have put you behind the eighth ball.
0: I was a smart little bugger. I yeah, was. Well. And I paid careful attention. and It wasn't so severe as to be... That debilitating, but uh, it was it was significant at various times. It came and yeah, went. But I had a lot of problems with my ears did, as did, a little
2: kid. Did your mum and stepdad think you had selective hearing loss? That's why it took so long. Well, oh, that's probably to be something diagnosed. I had in common
0: with my grandmother. She <laughs> right. definitely had selective <laughs> hearing.
2: <laughs> yes, because it can be difficult when you're with the same with the same person day in and day out. If they've got a some type of chronic medical condition, it can be very difficult to pick up. You know, people say, "Why didn't anybody pick it up before <laughs>
0: Well, you learn to adapt, I think. Yeah, you yeah. learn to adapt. Yeah. I was short sighted too, so I would have been that was another reason why I would have been right up the front, looking uh, all well, eager and attentive.
2: Because you were looking at the board, not the teacher.
0: That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to hear and you were trying to yes. see. Yes. Now we know. Now we know the secret of why you're a teacher's pet we forgive you now. Thank because you. you had you had good reasons. So when you finished high school, I assume you had brilliant marks.
0: I finished high school. I went right to the end of high school. But my Mm. schooling was in two parts Mm. because when I was 13, I actually left Auckland and went to board, Mm. not at a private girls' school. I attended a state school and I boarded at an institution which is unique, I think, in the world. It was an institution set up by the Freemasons, for daughters of deceased Freemasons. My adoptive father died when I was 10. And although he was not a Freemason at all, my great-uncle, one of my grandmother's brothers, was and my mother's brother was. And that was enough to get me into what was then known as Kirkpatrick Masonic Institute, which was a mansion and an estate on the top of Mount Street overlooking Nelson and uh, with the views of the harbour that was left for the daughters of deceased Freemasons to provide them with the opportunity to go to Nelson College for Girls, a state school but you know a good mm-hmm. one very much modelled on the old English style of public school really and it did have borders actually even though it was a state school and so I spent my first two years of high school, secondary education at attending Nelson College for Girls and living at Kirkpatrick Masonic Institute mm. on Mount Street in the city of Nelson, which is at the top of the South Island.
2: What was it like living with all these other young girls? Well,
0: there were around 16 of us at the time, mm. and it was kind of like a cross between a a finishing school and a, and a boarding school. It was a unique experience, and we used to have lots of visits from the Freemasons, and we had Grand Dragons or Grand Masters right. or whatever, <laughs> bringing around their regalia for us to looking at, look at and impressing mm-hmm. upon us how privileged we were. And mm-hmm. when we left Kirkpatrick House, as it became known, we, we were given little badges and we were told to wear those to job interviews that would, you know, behoove us in the yes, future yes, and, yes. and that we should be proud of the fact that we had this association. It was, ah. it was, it was singular. And Kirkpatrick... Samuel Kirkpatrick had been a jamming magnate, a jam a jam magnate in Nelson. He would set up a fruit canning estate and he'd done very well and he'd left his estate to the Freemasons for, for the girls. And so but one of the stipulations in his will was that we'd celebrate his birthday, which was in October. Mm-hmm. And so as, as you know, 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old girls, we used to put on a show. We used to put on a show sure. every October and entertain mm-hmm. the, the the board members, members the, yes. the, you know, the lodge members and board yes, members. So yes. they'd come, and we had a little recreation room, like a little hall that was attached to Kirkpatrick House, and we, we performed a little show. So we had the October party, and we had a Christmas party, and we sang and did skits and – Performed various things. I remember doing a, a parody of an interview between the then Prime Minister Rob Muldoon and a Piggy. New Zealand journalist. Good from, old Piggy. Ah, oh yes, <laughs> good old Piggy. Uh, and and a journalist at the time. And there was a famous interview and we parodied that. So, mm. look, it was a singular experience. I, I don't have regrets. It was no. – I got used to packing very economically. I'm a good traveller. I can pack, pack a suitcase oh, very right. happily.
2: Now, look, I'm a little bit disappointed in you. We had a guest here a few weeks ago who bought her Order of Australia medal in to show us. Where's the badge? Did you bring it in?
0: <laughs> you know what? I should have. And if I'd thought about it, I would have, you know, rummaged you, around to find it. Because yeah, yeah. I do still have it.
2: I thought you did. Obviously, it was a wonderful time in your life.
0: I think I've still got my Form Captain badge, too. Have you? I oh, think that's how much captain. of a sucker I was. I was Form
2: Captain. That's too. all right. You're talking another. Well, I was actually School Captain, but we won't dwell on that. Now, <laughs> so. You graduated from high school. Well, I. You said you did or you didn't. No, what did you do? I
0: absolutely did. Yeah. After I turned 16, I spent my last two years of high school at the local school, Green Bay High School. Mm. I returned to live in Auckland and went to Green Bay High School, which was very different. No uniform. We called the teachers by their first names. We yes. didn't have assembly. We didn't have hymns. We didn't have um, the formality of Nelson College. Bloody meat, so two So yeah. I've had the two experiences mm. of, of, you know, a very traditional mm. school and a very progressive progressive. progressive school.
2: Which would you prefer? Or did you prefer?
0: I definitely preferred the more progressive school, but there were things that I really enjoyed about Nelson College for Girls, and one of them was singing the hymns at assembly. Mm -hmm. And I have to confess, I've, I've still got a love for those old songs. And we had a songbook And mm. I really enjoyed that side of it that's But we didn't, we didn't sing songs at Green Bay High School That's for sure
2: no, Obviously you said you got a bursary to go to university I did We Could called it explain- a
0: studentship then
2: mm. Tell us about that
0: Well that was my 7th form year I came into Green Bay High School And I did my UE accredited year Got UE accredited Did my 7th form year to get a bursary And then I went to Auckland University To study English English. English and social study, No, history. I also got a studentship. I was going to be a secondary teacher, mm. so I also had a studentship.
2: Going to be. What, what happened?
0: Well, I did a term of teacher training college and decided it wasn't for me. What? I didn't want to go straight from school to university to training college, and I was at odds with things about training college. It just wasn't for me. I, so I, did, you, did
2: you finish your degree at university? I finished my degree, yeah. yeah so didn't a want...
0: mediocre English degree.
2: A mediocre English degree, but you got it. I've got it, but not honours. <laughs> no, oh, no. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I gave Ed. it
0: to my grandmother. It meant so much I'm more. I'm sure for her it, than did. it did. I'm to sure to her,
2: to her, it would was have been. I was the first the
0: person in our family to go to university, mm, and she was mm. very proud of that. Mm.
2: You haven't said much about your mum. Uh, you don't have to <laughs> if you don't want to. <laughs>
0: She's fine.
2: That's good. Now, here you are. What would you be, about 20 now? Or 19, 20? Joe. <laughs> like, you've finished university. Mm-hmm. No, not now. I not know now. No, I mean, you finished university. <laughs> no, I finished be, university be 22, I 22. I think I had to repeat a year. Yeah, 22, which makes right. it what? 1982.
0: Yes. And I went to work for the New Zealand Post Office as a toll as a what? A we tolls at- mall. In those days, the post office ran the telephone exchange. Yes. So I spent about 15 very miserable months putting through phone calls ah. to remote parts of New Zealand. I was, you know, I had to answer the, we had a console, yes. we had to answer the phone saying, Auckland. Auckland here number please what number what
2: number and put the person
0: to person calls through to remote parts of
2: the country oh, any, any juicy conversations you remember I used
0: to listen to as often as I could okay. but in those days it was all party lines so you know you'd, you'd be in Auckland you'd have someone ringing up you know for a person to person call to call Coppa, Coppa 5M and you'd put the call through and the lady at the end who was in the post office would oh, yes. say oh no 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 dear they're, they're down at the RSA or I should just be putting out a washing or just ring again yeah, or no. no they're visiting their cousins in Auckland, you know, <laughs> right. the person. So it was a party line. A so party in those line. days, right. yeah. Right. Uh, so, you, you, you did you did
2: listen in. So you didn't we weren't
0: meant to listen
2: in. No, 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 no. That's why I asked. But we did. Just in case it was something interesting. So this was not meant for you, you decided. A smart, intelligent young woman working on a party line. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what, what I
0: didn't last. No. Look, I left just before I got the sack because I got caught listening in and not not uh, doing my job properly. I was I was right. very bored and very unhappy. So how did
2: you overcome all this?
0: I don't know that I ever did Joe. I think I, really? I I I just got fired from all the jobs I've ever done and just oh. you know, just went and did something else that do.
2: <laughs> well, no, you couldn't have been fired from everything.
0: I've been fired for more jobs than than not. Than not. But I had horrible jobs, so. Like what? Oh, I did, I did, you know, I did all the hospitality jobs. And oh, no, you weren't pulling
2: I, beers. And, I was.
0: Uh, oh, no, no, I was rubbish at it. I had a job in a <laughs> Sydney pub. I went to uh, live in Sydney and I had a job in one of those old-timer pubs which is full of old people who have been drinking there yeah, for you know, 85 years. Yeah. And I was terrible. And they'd say to me, oh, if you can't pour a beer, what are you doing here, you're useless, you know?
2: Yeah, well, I agree with them. If you can't I pour a bloody
1: beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I
2: lasted two days. Yeah, this is the. Uh, if you don't have one by eleven, I'd like to have. I think it's have one by eleven. Crowd. They used to have this uh, oh. poster of this old bloke. They were like a, uh,
0: drinkers. They used to drink bundies with milk in it yep, because they all yep. had livers that were shot shot to shot yeah, to You hell. know, with so co- bundies and milk. That's what they drank. When yeah, they, when you,
2: know, you know where that comes from. It comes from their old days when they were really on the skids. Then you'd have metho in milk. Mm. The white lady. Oh dear. That's what it was called, the White Lady, which was the drink of choice if you uh, couldn't afford some cheap port or something in those days. So going back, so how long did you last in New Zealand?
0: I left when I was 24.
2: Where'd you go? I went to Sydney. What? You, yes. didn't go, you didn't go to England? You went to I Sydney. I went there later. You went, went to Sydney? What do you want to Sydney for? Well, I couldn't afford for? to go to England, so oh, I went right. to
0: Sydney. <laughs> I wanted to go to London, but I, I went so. to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I got to London eventually. Yes,
2: I said, what did you do in Sydney apart from pouring bad beers?
0: I, I,
2: I It's all right.
0: Drank. <laughs> <laughs> I drank and I partied and I, I, uh, I took yeah. yeah. substances.
2: Substances.
0: I took substances.
2: Uh, did you? Parties. It was party time. Yeah, did, it was, it, it was it's the uh, mid '80s. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it was, Late it was '80s. Party. Did you see God?
0: I saw several gods. <laughs> <laughs> I, think was, I, was, I think I was seeing gods regularly. I, <laughs> I was seeing God was, myself. I, I, can, <laughs> I can,
2: imagine. Yes. So you had these. Uh, what do they call them? Trans. Dental, I don't really know, trips. Uh, no, you
0: know, it was more, look, we, we danced a lot, we, we danced a you lot. You danced, you danced mm, and danced and danced.
2: Dancing. So you were able to collect enough money to go to England?
0: Eventually I did, yeah. yeah.
2: And so how old were you when you got to England?
0: I think 25.
2: All yeah. right, and how long did you last there for?
0: Nearly four years, uh-huh. about four years. I spent a year in Greece uh-huh. and I spent... The rest of the time, just mucking about, mucking about, doing pretty much the same thing in London. <laughs> <laughs> Living in squats and… Uh, yeah. Squats and squalor. Squats and squalor, yeah. 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 And in yeah.
2: Greece?
0: I lived I lived in Greece. I lived in a town called Kereteia, which is on the Attica Peninsula. It's about mm-hmm. an hour and a half from Athens, and I mm-hmm. taught English there.
2: Yeah, that's always a good fallback in those days, wasn't it? That's right. You go
0: somewhere and teach English.
2: That's right. Yeah, you know, I, I went
0: to Greece with a one-way ticket and £40 pounds in my pocket, uh-huh. and I just had to sink or swim, as they say. It.
2: Yes, yes. All right. So how long? So four years? Europe? and then came back to New Zealand, Australia?
0: No, no, I came here. I came here at the To Melbourne? Of, I came to Melbourne because I'd met so many people over there who said mm. to me, oh, you'd love Melbourne, Lisa. It's your sort of town. town. <laughs> you know, it's very European. And I used very to European. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's not got, Europe. Well, they
2: had, they <laughs> had cappuccino machines.
0: So <laughs> many people, and I'd, I had friends from Melbourne, and mm. i travelled with a woman from here. And, and so, look, I... Came here, I came here at the very end of 89, yes. I went back to the UK, I came back here, I went to New Zealand and then the third time I came here I stopped and you stopped. became a permanent resident. I've been here ever since.
2: You're one of us, are you a citizen or still a permanent resident?
0: I'm still a permanent resident, I know it's shameful. No it's but- <laughs> not shameful, it means
2: you can't access the social security system.
0: Oh Oh, goodness. So I'm glad they didn't tell me that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm clearly one of the lucky ones because no. I have always depended on the kindness of taxpayers.
2: Yes. But there, there is. they can't. New Zealanders can't anymore. You must have I been know. pre. I, you know? I,
0: I land on my feet.
2: It's just just so cruel. These are our brothers and sisters about, across the ditch and we can't even look after them. and they, And we go there and we get social security. Oh, that's yeah, not right. It's not right. Oh, I, the Prime minister i got no pr- right to say that.
0: <laughs> no, Australia's been good to me. Melbourne's been good to me.
2: Oh, okay. How's Melbourne been good to you? I uh, mean, you, you did have having come in with your tiara and your gold dress and your, you know...
0: No, what, not today. I thought I'd just dress down for the occasion. Uh, yeah, I thought yeah. I would. I, I, I thought, usually uh, get about like that.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, so how's Melbourne been good to you?
0: Housing co-op. I got into a housing co-op at, right. um, when my my marriage came to an end, and the house was sold, and mm. I was in dire straits.
2: Uh, did you use? Did you just use the M word then?
0: I did. Look, mm. we, we all have our moments of weakness.
2: Uh, look, it happens to all of us. You <laughs> know. Right. It hasn't happened it to Kelly. She's smart. Well, sensible, She's smart. Right. She's sensible. She's but a, a, but us older people, we tend to go through that phase. I won't ask you about that period. You didn't have any offspring during that time? I've got time. two sons. Two that sons? That was the best thing about the marriage. Ah, and it, you, was, you had them and that's why you got to the Housing Co-op? Or? Yeah, it, it is uh, actually because yeah. the
0: Housing Co-op and in actually targets single, single mothers. That's it right. was set up by women working at the Council of Single Mothers and their mm, Children. Mm. It was formed in the early 90s by... Women working there, and I was eligible because you know I was a sole parent with two two little kids. Two little kids. Mm. So I was, you know, able to bring up my children in stability.
2: Well, that's that's the beauty, isn't it, about being a housing co-op and public housing when it exists. Obviously, it's been privatized now.
0: Look, I I would really be loath to imagine where I'd be if, if that hadn't happened. I was paying you know, market rents and a house paying private rentals for a crumbly old house and my little boy had asthma and it was really an uncomfortable place to live. And fortunately, just so, before I completely ran out of money, I, I got into a housing co-op for which I'm deeply, eternally grateful. And I still, I still live in a housing co-op house. Yes,
2: yes. It's not, it's not just the fact that the rent is cheap. It's the fact that your children have got stability. They can go to the same schools, All the of same that. friends. All of that. The same sleepovers. They don't have to move every few mm. years and be you know, and change things. Oh, we've, for, we've for had sure. An, we've had an extraordinary number of people come through this studio over the last seven or eight years. And... So many of their lives have been disrupted by the fact that of having unstable housing, you know, as children. They've just never formed deep friendships. So it does have a lot of positive things. Instead of your kids going out there robbing supermarkets, obviously they're now um, citizens of the country, you know, valuable people in this in this. In this yeah. It, makes, it makes a huge difference having stability as far well, as ours concerned. I mean, a, a
0: yeah. healthy, reasonable society mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. sure that everyone gets a chance to live in a building yeah, and yeah. eat food every day. That's, that's you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The single most important film on the Aboriginal political struggle in the last 50 years. Ningla is the inside story of the Aboriginal Tent Embassy. A gripping first-hand account of an iconic protest action
1: and the young radicals who took control and demanded justice. Rediscover this iconic documentary
0: and a momentous period for First Nations activism in this brand new restoration. Screening Cinema Nova Carlton from Friday the thirtieth of September to Sunday the second of October. A three CR supporter.
2: You're listening to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. So what did you do to make ends meet apart from live on the generosity of the Australian taxpayer?
0: I've done lots of different things, a lot of them unpaid. I've done a lot of volunteering and
2: don't a lot of creative
0: that, things. Don't and tell me you're
2: one of these people who does all this unpaid work.
0: A lot of volunteering, <clears throat> a lot of training. I'm, I'm probably the most cultivated long term welfare recipient on the planet. Cultivated? I, <laughs> I've done all these cultivated.
2: Courses. <laughs> oh, God. I've done theatre
0: and you yeah. name it. I've had a go. At uh,
2: it. Let, let's tell us about this unpaid volunteer work you've been doing over, over the years
0: uh, probably the first bit of volunteering I did was at a neighborhood house when my kids were little I mm. found myself on the management committee of a neighborhood house look I've taught English I've taught English as a second language on a sessional part-time basis I've been on various committees I volunteer for in a south well what was in a south community in a South Community Health Centre, and mm-hmm. I'm still volunteering for them. They're now uh, Better Health Networks. They went to from yeah from Inner South to Star Health, and now they have just amalgamated. So I still do volunteering for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I volunteer for a couple of groups at Common Equity Housing Limited, the company that runs the housing co-op programs. So I'm on a couple of groups there and. Just, look, various things. Things I've probably forgotten that I'll remember when I walk out the door. But, Mm, look, mm. I have made myself useful.
2: Mm. That's the key, isn't it? People think the only useful thing you can do is do paid work. And the fact is there's a lot of unpaid work that a lot of people do in our society which keeps society together. And you're one of those, I hate to say this, you're you're glue. Lisa, you're glue. (laughs) You're the glue that holds society together. I think, I think it, so well, I know so i've
0: I've raised two good boys, yeah, and that's yeah. also a major contribution yeah
2: i mean i mean i think I think you're a living example of what happens when you when people have housing stability it's a minimal investment for a huge return, single mum, two kids you're able to you know benefit the community around you by the all the things you do. And you've raised your kids. They're they're productive members of the community. And it just astounds me today, because I'm involved in a lot of things, and it astounds me today that public housing has almost disappeared. It's been constantly privatised. And even I've got friends in the cooperative housing sector, and even they are now coming under pressure from the state government, you know, regarding that permanency. It's just extraordinary.
0: It's a worry. It is. It's a
2: huge worry. You said you used the T word before theater.
0: Yes, well, that's how I first met Moriana, Moria, sorry, Moria, who you interviewed um, a couple of months ago. We, we
2: don't interview people; we have chats. We have chats. This is not an intelligent, you know, high interview. Although you've got the, you've got the words for it. You know, you've got, you've got the accent for it. You know, the vowels <laughs> for it. We have chats with fascinating people, and if you're not fascinating, we'll make you fascinating. It's all right. <laughs>
0: I'm fascinating.
2: All right. How
0: did, you get, how did you stumble so into that? I, I did some playwriting for a while. I've, I've had a few uh-huh. full-length productions. I, my first full-length play was called Fat Chick about women in body image because uh-huh. I went off and did the RMIT professional writing and editing course right. and fell in love with playwriting as a result of doing what, writing.
2: What, why playwriting?
0: Well, I fell into it. I fell into it uh, through Peter Murray or just uh, – I'm trying to think – no, I was going to write a novel, that's right. And then I, someone had once said to me, there aren't enough women playwrights in the world, mm. which is still true. And I thought, oh, I'll do playwriting mm. you know, in the way that I do. Oh, I'll do this. So I enrolled and I, I did a couple of years playwriting with Peter Murray, who was teaching mm. then, who's just wonderful. Mm. And I, I fell in love with, with you know, writing for theatre and then I've, I'd done a bit of performance. I was in the Brunswick Women's Theatre for a while, back, back before I had kids. And so I've been involved with theatre and I ended up reviewing live performance. I worked for Arts Hub and Impress and Beat magazine for years doing reviews. So, so I've always been on the periphery of...
2: Periphery. Periphery of greatness.
0: Well, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was being Of, a, of a remunerated greatness. <laughs>
2: that's exactly right, <laughs> Yes. There are so many people in the arts field who do a magnificent job. But remember Margaret Rodenight came in here. That was the woman you were listening to opening the show when she came in. To, uh, we said, oh, you must be living the high life of all those royalties. And she said, I don't get any royalties. I only sang the song. Some other bastard wrote them. They're getting all the royalties.
0: You can be famous but not rich. People always conflate the two. And they, it's, they
2: do, yeah. yeah, yeah. Gosh, necessarily, ain't necessarily so. Yeah, I use a, an old um, quote uh, from Geronimo. And when he was captured for the last time, I think it was 1891, he said, big name, no blanket. And that's what it's like, you know, I think for a lot of performers and artists... Even those that make it, as far as the public imagination is concerned, the remuneration isn't there. So how has COVID-19 treated you in terms of theatre and performances and things?
0: Well, we... Were, it's all right,
2: Lisa, it's yes. all right. I'm a doddery old fool. Kelly is a wonderful, young producer. That's what those are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can't we can't trust the clocks at three C R. They're all they're all piss weak. (laughs) But we trust uh, Kelly. We trust Kelly, and she tries to get me to focus by telling me how many minutes have gone Uh, and how many to go. No, forty minutes have already gone. Oh my goodness! Sorry, oh, we've only
0: just begun. All right, so (laughs) theatre. Look, I want to talk about how I met Moria, which was. In a production called Unhoused, where we... Unhoused. Unhoused. I talked to Kelly about Unhoused and the year that we performed it, which is 2019. And we were going to go on to do more performances. We were going to try and tour it somewhere. We, go- we had plans, but then COVID came along. Mm-hmm. Now, as a group, we've managed to sort of stay together and we are working on a new production. What do
2: you mean as a group? What's this group? As the What's collective, the, the Unhoused,
0: collective? women who performed unhoused. in Unhoused.
2: Right.
0: And we've managed to stay together as a group, Mm. and we are working on a a new show.
2: So you're meeting face-to-face again? No, not Not really, not often sometimes,
0: but Mm. we're doing multimedia, we're doing filming things and recording things, and Mm. so we're managing to cobble together a show (coughs) that isn't a traditional live performance. We'll have a lot of video Excuse me,
2: excuse me. Not a traditional live performance. Why would I bother going to a show with video? I can go to a because you'll see house. some
0: of us. You'll, you'll see some. You'll see more of you and me. All <laughs> oh, right.
2: So it's not one of these things. No, and,
0: and I think we've got someone singing in it. We we're, we're still still pulling it together, but
2: unhoused. Or it's
0: called heavy metal, which metal where metal is spelled M-E-T-T-L-E. Ah. and it's about we have a future. Older women, we have a future. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, not kidding. Uh, I know
2: why you've got a future. Because we're living forever these days. I wouldn't call you an older woman. You are born in 1960. You're a virtual youngster. You're only, what, 62? That's middle age in Melbourne today. Really? Seriously? It's middle age?
0: It is. Well, I try not to think about it. I just do what I want to do and... So you what know. what
2: do you want to do, apart from Just
0: theater? keep exploring. I've, I've taken up music recently, so I'm learning to play the ukulele and guitar and write songs, learning to sing. Did you I'm bring in something in? I, you know. I brought a poem in. I've done performance poetry. I, oh. I brought a poem in that oh. I could share.
2: Well, of course you can share it. Can you sing?
0: I, I think I can now. I'm, I'm not going to sing today, but oh, I'm in a, a Spanish-language choir, an acapella Spanish-language choir. Oh, you could so sing we Sp- sing folk folkloric songs from Colombia and Chile and oh, wow.
2: Argentina. And well, you could sing because you don't need any musical background. Well, Lou, that's you, right. Yeah, let's do your poem first and then oh, let's do a bit of singing, all right?
0: I've got a, it's a cheeky one. Can I? It's, it doesn't have good words uh, look, it's in all it. right. it's it Nobody
2: nobody listens to Radical Australia, so you can say oh, what right. you like. Well,
0: it's, look, it's it's a, it's a radical idea. Yeah. All right. So this is this is a poem that I wrote as a result of knowing uh, a married man, Ooh. and he had certain complaints about you know the the, the static nature of his relationships. Mm.
2: So,
0: so I. I I thought I'd solve a problem for him. Oh, excellent. All right, so this is called Dear Tom. My dear Tom, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a married man in possession of a family is in want of more sex. Desire in marriage is the horse that bolts the carriage. Lust doesn't thrive once you're married alive. I am of the mind that men should have as much Hot, rampant, fell sex as they want, whenever they want with each other, I'm not being rude, but Tom, seriously, try a dude for uncomplicated, sexy times. Your man's another man, it doesn't make you gay, just pragmatic. you complain your sex life static, get with a guy, so your wife won't put out, give a mate a shout. A man won't roll his eyes and sigh. Avoid that will-she-won't-she dance, the glimpse of disappointment in her averted glance. No more, what have I done now, wondering what you said, or not, or what. No more stacking and unpacking the dishwasher, bringing in the bins, massaging her shoulders, pouring her a glass, all without being asked. Don't live in the hopes of getting laid, Tom, with a fella. You've got it made. Bro, you're in with an Omar or a Flynn. Guaranteed happy ending with a Brendan. You won't look back once you've had a Sam Raj or Jack. Imagine the best blowjob of your life. Reckon you'll get that from your wife? No need for begging. Go on. Get laid. Get pegging. Mandate a Mandate. Go hunting, fishing, shooting and rooting. Join a dad's band and play don't sing. Never do anything but the thing. Have fun without the drama. Hold yourself a bum-a-rama. Power up the tools in a men's shed. Put some touch into touch footy. Get under the car with a mate and mutually masturbate. Take yourselves in hand and suck the joy into life. Heal your daddy issues. Heal a daddy. Pock yourself a born laddie. Have yourself a hairy bear. It doesn't mean you're queer. Blowing another man's trumpet might at first seem alien. Perhaps even downright un-Australian. But you will always be man enough for another man. And think of all the goodwill in community. That bloke next door, Dimitri? A boss when it comes to lawn trimming. But Tom... You want to check out his rooming? Who else will understand what you need without words or reasons? When it's blowing hot and cold, you want a man for all seasons. After working hard all day, an ombre he goes out to play. He gets his reward. He gets what's due. As so, my friend, can you?
2: Well, all I can say is that's for a younger man.
0: <laughs> I think that's for all men, Joe. It's no, for all me. no, it's no. For all me. You it's get My, my you, answer to the problem is No, terrible. no, you get to
2: the stage in life where the exchange of bodily fluids isn't your major concern. It's oh, about
0: just giving up. It's a, no, no, no.
2: It's about power and wealth. You, you progress. <laughs> From exchanging bodily fluids to power and wealth. Power so and wealth.
0: We're, we're sitting here, and, 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 and you're <laughs> yeah. putting me a power and wealth. Well, exactly. Well, exactly yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, I think I think that, that is that is a brilliant poem. You made it up all yourself, obviously. I did. Yeah, <laughs> good. It shows that you've got a good grasp of reality.
0: I think this so. This has got nothing to do with it. I men should just get it on with each other yeah, that, and we yeah. do away with war and conflict. Yeah, and I yeah, honestly, I would yeah, like yeah. to see men yeah. just bonk each other to the ends of the earth.
2: Yeah. I'm sure certain societies do that, you know?
0: They've always done yeah, that, Joe. That's right. They've yeah, always The ancient done Greeks
2: were experts. at They've always at done it.
0: that. We want, we want to celebrate it, we yeah. want to bring it out well, into the cool. open. Are you going
2: to do a play about it?
0: Oh, I'm tempted. <laughs> <laughs> this is more of a cabaret. I think I need to join more of you in a cabaret. I reckon that it, 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 it wants um, um, it, it wants a song in a dance. Yes, yeah, I'd like to see that double in, act. In
2: cabaret, yeah, it would be interesting. Wonderful. i
0: work on that. Mm.
2: Can you sing to us in Spanish?
0: Uh, poco, poco, poco. I can say, um llamo Lisa, soy escritoria. Yes, hey, escritoria. Yeah, huh? Muy bien, muy bien. <laughs>
2: Ah, That's Lisa,
0: it. I don't agree. I can say, uh, what, La La Mas Fina. That was an ad for Corona Bear, I think, yeah. Well,
2: you just told me you were in a, a cappella group. Yes. Well, you must have a Spanish song. Or is it Portuguese?
0: It's, we sing in Spanish. Yeah. We, we haven't done any Portuguese songs. And we just learn the words we need to, actually. But right. look, our choir leader... Yaki Viejos. she is introducing Spanish more and more as we go along. So we're picking up little phrases.
2: How do you find all these disparate groups?
0: Ah, oh, that was an online thing. Now, that was a COVID thing. That was an online community mm. music sessions that I think multicultural aged Victoria or one of the community groups had... Mm various musical teachers and practitioners and singers to just give free workshops online. And mm. I signed up for that, of course, and that's, that's how I met Yaki, And she said she was forming a choir. Right. I said, I'll do that. I'll do that. Yes, you do. Well, as
2: you do. You've got to fill in time, as they say. So, have you got any plans for the future? This cabaret about I you do know, want to
0: do something in cabaret for yeah. sure. I, I do. I've, I've been wanting to do that for a long time. But look, needless to say, I've got a few things going on. I'm, I'm writing a novel at the moment and mm. learning the well, music, been, writing
2: songs. You were writing a novel forty years ago.
0: I was. I've always been writing a novel. That is true.
2: Why don't you finish it? You should finish it.
0: That that is. I this time I will. You this will. This time I will. Yes. Good. I'll come in and talk to you about that.
2: (laughs) Well, we'll launch it. We'll launch it for you. Oh, I'd love that. What is it about?
0: What is it about? No, you
2: can't ask a novelist Ah. what their novel is about. Okay. No, that's not good. No, no. It it should be a surprise. Surprise. It should be a surprise because there's so many novelists out
0: there. Look, it's about me. I mean, everything I do is about me in one respect (sighs) or another. So it's... (laughs)
2: Well, you've got it's the, about a version of me. Well, you've got the vowels for it, so it I've should be the about. The, so I've got
0: vows and I've got the vowels. You need to have your loins girded good, good bowel control. Where does your humour come from? Uh, I think mean, it was a family trait, actually. My brother uh, and sister and my mum are all very funny. Uh, they really are, and that's one uh, thing we shared and can still share. Uh, I'm actually going to see them shortly a week. Uh, a week tomorrow, actually, I'm going to Auckland, and yeah. I am just looking forward to a good laugh. They're they're, they're all hilarious, actually. See, what I
2: like What I like yeah. about your humour you're able to com- combine the intellect with the humour below the belt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know it's true, but I still love to hear it.
2: <laughs> and not a lot of people can do that. So you know, people uh, it, 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 things can be very smutty in inverted commas. And things like the poem there can be very funny and uh, imaginative and realistic.
0: Look, I delivered that at the Dan O'Connell at one of their poetry afternoons. And Uh, the first two lines, I got through the first two lines were, you know, I'm of the mind that men should have as much hot, rampant, feral sex as they want, whenever they want. And someone went, yes! (laughs) And then I said, with each other. It was one of those really priceless moments (laughs) <laughs> yes.
2: I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. it a bit of subversion,
0: always a good thing. Bit of subversion.
2: So cabaret. Let's get back to the cabaret because I love cabaret. I was not a cabaret.
0: I was in one of Ella for, for, um Ella cabaret years mm. ago, mm. back in twenty fourteen or fifteen or something. Mm. Something called Taboo, and I played Mother Somebody rather. It was uh, a mad thing. Her shows are mad things, but. Really, it was a lovely experience, and I actually sang. I sang on stage, so Did
2: you? Why, yeah. why can't you sing for us?
0: Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I need, pre- I need to be prepared
2: for that. Prepared. Didn't Kelly warn you that you, if you had any talents, oh, look, w- I
0: have given you a poem.
2: Well, you're another the, poem. Next time for us. I come
0: in, I'll sing a song. Next time I'll you, sing but, one of my I mean, own, I'll sing, I'll, yeah, I'll come but in you with one of my own, and I'll play my little ukulele.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I need to practice first, all right. But you can't come in until you've written that novel and it's published, you know that, or or. Organised a cabaret. All right. So, which one do you think will come first?
0: Oh, look. Um, I've got to get the novel finished. I promised myself to have the first draft completed by the end of the year right. this time. I'm halfway through. I'm up to mm. chapter 14. Mm. So, I'm getting there. Mm. So, tootling along. I'm aiming for 500 words a day. So, we will. That's get a there.
2: good number. You will finish that. It's, it's just about that. discipline every day. It is. Yeah. Habit. 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 And yeah. you've got to want to you got and to want to. I do
0: keep diverting myself. I mean, today I, I put a whole chapter in first person. I've been writing in third person. I put a whole chapter third. into first person just to see how it read, and yeah. I'm still not sure. So, nah. you know, there, nah. there are always ways that you can sort of distract yourself. I've got yeah. to be…
2: What, what time do you wake up in the morning?
0: Really early, and What's then I really either go early? back to sleep. What's you know really what people early? say? The first, well, the first thing I do when I wake up is go back first, to sleep. Well, <laughs> what, what,
2: what is really early?
0: <laughs> I wake, wake up dawn. Hmm. I wake up dawn often, that's and I either to write. do get up and garden or fap about no, or no, no, have a cup no, of tea.
2: No, That's the time to write. Yeah, and
0: I do that too. You know, yeah. But every day. Every day. Every
2: good. day, and you'll finish the novel. Seriously, it's the time to write. You wake up, forget about bed. You can sleep all you like when you're dead. Wake up, put pen to paper. I do. Oh, that. do you use yes. a computer?
0: Uh, no, I write on the laptop. Yeah. yeah no, laptop. I do do that, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Every day. Every day. day.
2: And then you, if you miss a morning, you'll have to do it in the evening. the only, way you'll, fin- you'll, that's the only right. way you'll finish the novel? I'm sorry, I'm giving you advice, heartfelt advice, personal experience.
0: Righty-ho.
2: Every day. So, plans for the future, apart from finishing the novel, writing a cabaret, doing more extraordinary poetry.
0: Uh, you know, being um, a grandmother one day, songs. all these things. Oh, look, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, look, she's given us a rude song. She's young. She doesn't she's understand us elderly people. You know. Look,
0: I'll, I'll do these things and then I'll come and, and tell you all about them. That would be nice.
2: But give us a hint. Come on. Give us a hint about all these things you're going to do, apart from the novel and the cabaret. There must be something else.
0: Well, you never know. I might, end up, I might end up here doing a radio show. You never know. Well, I've, it's very simple. I, it was on the cards, and, and, you know, I don't rule it Whoa. out. Look, I am impulsive, and I'll just say yes to things and do things when they present themselves. It's right. a good idea. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I have just jumped around art forms and mm. performance and this mm. and that. I just jump around. So the the, the thing, the challenge for me is actually completing things.
2: Right. Now, if, if by some odd coincidence we have one listener listening who's depressed and unhappy and doesn't want to do anything, have you got any advice for them?
0: I would say you do want to do something and that your feeling of not wanting to do it is because you – think you can't and somehow you're not allowing yourself i i have experience of that and it's a very painful place to be people do want to do things they do want to express themselves and they they do want to engage unless you know you're profoundly depressed or there's something else Mm. going on Mm. but i think that we we, we get very shamed, especially when it comes to things like singing and writing and the arts. And people who don't see themselves as artistic will actually carry that as an identity. If you don't see yourself as a learner, you, you will just hold on to those identities that can be formed at a very, very young age and always challenge when you think that I'm not that sort of person, or, or I'm not like that, or I'm not creative—rubbish. Always challenge that. So that's what I would say, very, very firmly challenge that. Don't, don't ever stop there. I had a conversation recently with a friend who would love to sing, but she's so full of shame about her voice, as I was. I was told I was tone deaf as a kid, and I was tone deaf as a kid too. So you know, and people laughed when I when I sang. So, in, in our culture, we have to overcome a lot of inhibition. The arts, you know, arts and creativity in other cultures, they're just part of life. You grow up. If you are Maori, or Welsh, or Colombian, you grow up feeling entitled to sing. And uh, with you know, our Anglo Anglo background is, is very different when it comes to the arts. And so, you've got to overcome a lot of inhibition, but it's so worth it, and you never regret it.
2: Never regret it. So you need to take that first step.
0: You do. You've got to just allow yourself and see yourself as someone who has every right to be creative Mm. and to explore your creativity.
2: And not worried about reaction.
0: No, you can't worry about reaction. Mm. A friend of mine, I persuaded her to come along to the choir and I said, you don't need to speak Spanish. You don't Mm. need to sing. And she'd never done anything remotely like this before. Mm. And, you know, it's been a challenge for her, but she loves it. Joy 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 and i i talked her into it and she says you know you, you kind of lied you know you, <laughs> um, our choir our choir leader has a, a very high standard and we have to work very hard to keep in time and learn pronunciation and sing parts mm, and mm. you know in, in, a, in another language and you know yeah. keep the tune and all yeah. the rest of it it's it's hard work
2: Yeah, there's, there's too many critics and trolls in 21st century society and i think you've Oh, stumbled. ignore them. Ignore yeah, them. you've stumbled on it. They're not worth worrying about. We're
0: very sensitive creatures when it comes to our own self-expression and people mm. are so easily discouraged. Mm. I was for years, which is why I'm just grasping everything now, right. doing all the creative things I had the opportunity to do. Mm.
2: Thank you, Lisa. It's been a pleasure having a chat with you. Likewise. Hopefully we'll see you in the future when you've published that novel or organised that cabaret.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Thanks. Thanks Thank for you. the chance to talk.
1: Thanks so
2: Cheers.
1: much. <laughs> A soulful reimagining of 1890s Melbourne, presented by La Mama, Measure of a Moment, explores the loving bond between a young bohemian writer and a troubled musician coming to terms with the changing world and the challenges of addiction and death. With comedy and light, an original score and live acoustic music, the ensemble of eight actors urge you to take up a seat. Running from 28th September to October 2nd, go to lamama.com.au, a 3CR supporter.
2: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community
1: radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.